a new world order. It appears to be a strange interlude in American history. A new world order. Difficulty with the court today rises not from the court as an institution, but from human beings within it. But we cannot yield our constitutional test to the personal judgment of a few men. A new world order. Get ready for the delivery of the bomb. For the delivery of the bomb. A new world order. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths. But we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy for expanding its sphere of influence on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of election, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operation. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silent, not praised. No expenditure is questioned, no rumor is printed, no secret is revealed. A new world order. From Dallas, Texas, the flash, apparently official, President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. A new world order. This is a different kind of war. There are no marching armies or solemn declarations. Some citizens of South Vietnam, at times with understandable grievances, have joined in the attack on their own government. A new world order. I have never been a quitter. To leave office before my term is completed is abhorrent to every instinct in my body. But as president, I must put the interests of America first. I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. A new world order. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations. A new world order. A new world order. A new world order governs the conduct of nations. When we are successful, we will be. We have a real chance at this new world order. A new world order. An order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founder. A new world order. But I want to say one thing to the American people. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sex relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. A new world order. 852 here in New York. I'm Brian Dumble. We understand that there has been a plane crash on the uh, southern tip of Manhattan. You're looking at the uh, World Trade Center. We understand that a plane has crashed into the World Trade Center. We don't know anything more than that. With Muslims. We don't have a beef with Muslims. We want to be friends with Muslims and Muslim children. A new world order. What difference at this point does it make? A new world order. The Obama administration this month has sought to rebut charges that it paid ransom for five Americans released from Iranian captivity back in January, even as senior U.S. officials now admit they withheld the 400 million assembled in hard foreign currency until they received word that the hostages were being set free, a linkage of the prisoner release to the payments that spokesmen for the State Department had previously denied. Now, in response to a report in the New York Sun, the Obama administration has confirmed that it was just two days later on January 19th that a Treasury Department account known as the Judgment Fund was used to send Iran an additional 13 payments, each for $99,999,999.99, or roughly $100 million each, to satisfy the interest that Washington negotiated with Iran. A new world order. A new world order. A new world order. Mr. Speaker, 
Carter. Well, today the Durham report finally came out, and as suspected, FBI, DOJ acted vastly improper, raw, uncorroborated so-called evidence that they used to hound President Trump for well over two years, try to influence the 2016 election, as well as make uh, the administration untenable following that. A new world order. But what this amounts to is influence peddling, plain and simple. It is foreign entities filling, filling the pockets of the Biden family with $10 million through a nebulous web of 20 different companies. It's an elaborate shell game. And amazingly, some of these transactions happen while Joe Biden was vice president. A new world order. Welcome to the Masquerade. And welcome, everybody, to the Masquerade podcast. I am your host, the original Joshie Cox. I am loud, and I am proud, and I am proud to be a voice for patriots. I am proud to be a voice for freedom. I am proud to be leader of Joshua Hollicks worldwide, and I am proud to be bringing you a fourth season of the Masquerade podcast, all new episodes to this fourth season, and uh, it it's going to be a, a crazy run. It already has been. And that's uh, to say the least. And I tell you what, it's, it's just, it, it's a sign of the times, I guess. It's, things are getting crazy, almost to the point of being creepy, you know. Um, I live in Pennsylvania. I'm going to say about the middle of, middle of Pennsylvania, both ways. Central Pennsylvania, east to west, north to south. And uh, we are seeing, like, uh, yesterday, today, um, just the smoke from a Canadian wildfire. And, and I granted that's not to make light of that fire that from what I've seen, from what I've heard, it is just it engulfed almost immediately, which kind of brings some raises some questions in my mind, uh, as to what exactly happened. How did a fire of that magnitude, uh, start and become, get out of hand as quickly as what it has. And of course, uh, with their prime minister, Mr. Uh, Justin Trudeau, um, who I still believe to this day is actually Fidel Castro's uh, illegitimate son, that is obviously going to be uh, quite a, a fuel for the fire, uh, so to speak, if you will, not to be cliche, but, uh, you know, he's going to be using that to his advantage in uh, driving home that uh, climate crisis, climate change narrative. Uh, I'm surprised that we haven't sent our, our climate change czar, John Kerry, uh, up there to uh, combat things himself since he's uh, such a brilliant expert, but he's too busy uh, harassing farmers in the United States and urging them to uh, seize all their growing operations and stop producing food because, you know, who needs to eat? We're just 4 billion useless eaters in the world. Uh, according, that's according to Klaus Schwab and uh, former Secretary of State uh, Henry Kissinger and, you know, those, uh, those very demonic people. But uh, it, that is, it's insane. And to have that in Pennsylvania, the whole way from uh, my understanding now, I, I haven't spent a lot of time on it. Um, it's unfortunate in anybody that's losing homes, losing properties, uh, or even just their health in general being affected by uh, a fire that size, that magnitude, you know, harkers out to uh, the Canadians. And it already did go out to the Canadians, uh, as I feel just horrible for the tyranny that they are experiencing. Uh, I do believe it's... Uh, just a step ahead of what we are experiencing here in the good old US of A, but uh, it, to be up in Quebec, uh, that was my understanding, and to be receiving remnants this far, you know, I could see if maybe I was in uh, northern New York, um, you know, or maybe up in around, uh, say, even like Minnesota, maybe a little bit closer in that regard, but 
to receive the remnants here in Pennsylvania or central Pennsylvania, that's one thing. But then as I'm talking to Joshua Hollicks around the world on uh, other platforms such as uh, TikTok uh, with followers that I have that are uh, from down in the, the more southern area or southern region of the country, um, I was getting reports from them that smoke was still completely polluting the air uh, in Virginia. West Virginia, I saw, um, I had somebody from Virginia talk to me. I had somebody from North Carolina, Tennessee even, uh, telling me that they have received remnants of the smoke. And, you know, one thing that they brought to my attention, and my sense of smell is not what it used to be. I, I've never had a great sense of smell, but it's definitely not what it once was. And once, and maybe it's like a psychosomatic type of a deal, but once it was brought to my attention and I started to kind of uh, feel that I was smelling something a little bit strange as well. And I know the uh, the one young lady in Virginia that was speaking to me about it, she said the smell is like nothing she's ever smelled before with wildfires or any type of uh, you know, a large fire that would be like woodland and, and things of that nature that she's ever experienced in her lifetime in Virginia. And she said it smells like almost a, a burning plastic type of smell and i do know what she means in, in that regard uh yeah that's one of the worst smells that you know anyone could ever really uh sense you know in, in that respect but uh and that's what she said they're smelling in virginia and she said it's very thick it's, it's a heavy smoke so um god only knows you know to me especially considering that we're getting the pollution this far south it and, and i know again it's a very large fire but I, I still, no one, everyone I've seen on, whether it be Facebook, whether it be TikTok, uh, Getter, True Social, Twitter, uh, I'm on many platforms, and everybody keeps, uh, remains to be seen, uh, what remains to be seen is whether or not this is a, in these Palestine type deal. Everyone says that they've never experienced anything like this. They've never heard of a fire from so far away uh, in distance spreading its remnants that far, you know, in length so you have to wonder was is this an attack and i don't mean from a foreign entity by any means whatsoever i unfortunately i have to confess i mean that as was is this an attack that maybe was coordinated uh wasn't an attack by uh justin trudeau and his uh, militant um communist parliament uh many m members of that communist parliament of what i consider to be communist anyway or was it a doing uh, or a, collabor a collaborative work, a collaboration between maybe our United States government and uh, that of Canada's? Because I don't trust very many uh, here at home at the States. I, I really don't. And I mean, the debt ceiling uh, being lifted, that just further uh, proved my point in the fact that there's not many um, even Republicans, and, and I'm a conservative. I am 110% conservative. I don't lean on the liberal uh, train really whatsoever. Um, but there's, there's a lot of Republicans I don't trust. In fact, I would have to say now after that, uh, debt ceiling vote that occurred last week, I would say, um, at least 149 Republicans, uh, that I don't trust. And that's just in the house of representatives. There was uh, a good, I believe 18, uh, in the Senate that now I'm not quite sure I trust as well. Uh, because there is nothing in that deal. There is no substance in terms of what how Americans are, would be uh, benefiting in terms of a compromise. And I know it wasn't a bill that was supposed to be of great benefit, but it also should have, uh, in terms of a negotiation process, like what had taken place and, you know, it, it was drawn out for how long now. Uh, and they kept referring to these negotiations. And then 
Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, he's running around and like they and the media is just making jokes about it. I mean, they're loving every bit of it because, you know, they're obviously always uh, on the uh, liberal side anymore. And it's a it's, we're a laughingstock. The, the conservative group, uh, the conservative fabric of America, which, in my opinion, is the, the actually uh, the silent majority, not minority. We're being laughed at because Kevin McCarthy is doing victory laps. He's taking parade laps afterwards. It's like watching a NASCAR race where, you know, they, they take their, their victory laps so many times after uh, around the track after winning with their checkered flag hanging out the window. And he's doing that. And I'm, I'm thinking, what are you celebrating? And he said that, you know, Democrats got screwed and, you know, and the Republicans, we got everything. And I, I'm not seeing anything. I, I'm really not. Other than uh, disqualifying some funds that was going towards the IRS because they, you know, went out and uh, hired 87,000 new agents to harass the United States citizens and uh, just completely, well, d- destroy any sense of privacy or, uh, you know, that we that we had at one point in time. Other than that, and um, it, it's making college kids pay off or, you know, start paying on their student loans that uh, the Biden administration thought that, you know, should have just been uh, excused and that everybody else in America should pay for because we don't have any accountability. And why teach the youth of our nation anything about accountability if, you know, if they're going to continue on with uh, with their narratives and, and living the lifestyle that they do. And it's a life of no accountability and just, uh, you know, frugal spending, uh, lawlessness, and especially when you consider Chicago and New York and uh, the the southernmost border here in the United States, it, it's a case of lawlessness. So that's that's the message that was going to be sent. So now the, the college kids, I believe, uh, from the time it was signed back about a week ago, they were saying um, in 60 days payments would have to uh, resume after being, I, I forget how long it's been now, uh, you know, at least a year or longer. Uh, so, you know, sorry, kids. And, you know, what my friend and I had a conversation about this over the weekend. Um, not to jump subjects or anything, but we might as well touch on it now. Um, yeah, he started saying like he has a, a daughter that's just going to be beginning uh, her college career, you know, this coming August. Um, and he was saying, you know, but here's the thing: like she was showing me what her funding, what her prices are right now in terms of the the amount of money that she had to borrow and how she was getting these uh, student loans and in the price break in her scholarships and how she was getting the price that she was receiving, which she took the best deal for the best school. I was proud of her. She actually, you know, weighed out all of her options. One, you know, what, what's better, what's worse. And uh, he said, like, now I won't be allowed to make a penny more than what I'm making. She will not be able to make a penny more than what she's currently making because while well, she, she just graduated Monday night, but uh, the last like two, three months of her senior year of high school, uh, she picked up a part-time job um, and was working in a kitchen at a uh, at a very nice restaurant. And, you know, what she was being paid now, if she wants to work any more than that, uh, by the sounds of things, the way the contract's written out, um, she won't be able to pick up any more hours, at least this summer. And then when she goes away to school now, obviously she'll have, you know, schooling is going to be her priority. Uh, and it's going to be much different than obviously high school is. Uh, many kids hit that, uh, reach that reality check of, wow, this is a, a step up, you know, another level, but, you know, and, but still to his point, like he, he feels as though now he won't be able to better himself for at least the next four years because of the payments. Uh, you know, he don't want to see his child suffer and he's not really in a position and he knows that any type of 
uh, leap in, in uh, salary or wage for him is not going to be that substantial that, uh, you know, where he's going to be missing out per se. Um, but it could really mess her up. But it's enough that you know, he also knows that because it's not going to be a substantial increase, that he can't uh, really, it's not going to be enough to help him help her uh, pay pay for her schooling. You know, he it's one of those situations. It's a uh, lower class America, unfortunately, the working class. They have pretty much tried to uh, do away with the middle class or do away with the working class, the lower class, whatever you want to call it. And it's pretty much the, the upper class and it's the other class. It's, it's everybody else that's left. And, you know, it, that's the understanding she had when uh, when she said she wanted to go to school. And he said, you know, I encourage that, obviously. Uh, he, he did not. And he said, I, I would love nothing more than to see that. And I hope you succeed. But you do have to understand that, you know, you know our situation. He's a single father. You know, he's, and he's just, he works the average jobs. You know, he doesn't uh, have any great uh, job skill or, you know, certain marks on his resume that's going to allow him to breach into that, um, whatever you want to call middle America, the middle class. In my opinion, I know to me, the middle class used to be from about $50,000 for the head of household and above. And then, you know, the upper class would probably be somewhere around like the 70 to 80,000 and above. And then anything below 50 would be the lower class. And uh, now it's it's almost like, like I said, it's everybody's blended in one except for the upper class. But he, he made her understand, like, look, I, I can't afford it. I'd love nothing more than to go pay your tuition each year, each month. However, we could work out a, a program. But he said, there's no way I can do that. You know, you're going to come home from school, whether it be weekends, every other weekend, once a month, whatever, you know, you're going to have breaks at semester. You're going to need a place to live other than school. And I'm going to need a roof over my head. You know, he said, I, if I continue to provide, you know, for myself and for you, I can't pay for your tuition. And, you know, that's a sad reality. And I, what we both came up with, and he, he was telling me about this because I said about, well, at least, you know, the student loan forgiveness is not going to be uh, in effect much longer. In 60 days, they have to begin payments again. And um, but she's not going to be affected by that anyway. And he, he even said that later. He said, you know, I never even gave it any thought. That's for pre-existing loans that were already in progress. But um, he said, but, you know, think about uh, my kid's situation. And I said, I do. And I said, unfortunately, she is making the choice that she knows what she has to do. She knows what's in front of her. She knows that if she wants to continue on with that and complete all four years, that this is what she needs to do. This is the price that they agreed to. These are the payments that they agreed to, and that's what has to be done. She has to meet those expectations. And, you know, I said it's unfortunate, but at the same time, is it? I mean, at what point do do kids in that younger generation, at what point are they held accountable? At what point do they learn it? That, okay, this is life now. You know, it's time to do for me, and, you know, if I don't do it, nobody else will. You know, and I've, I've said the same thing for I don't know how many years now. I One of the first uh, instances that I always use as an example would be uh, former NFL running back Chris Johnson. He came out of a smaller school, East Carolina University. Uh, he was drafted by the Tennessee Titans. He, he was quick. He was a very, very quick. I think he ran somewhere near like a 4.2-something, a 40-yard uh, dash at the NFL Combine. And his rookie season, I mean, wasn't uh, – it, it was at least mediocre, especially considering he wasn't a, an early-round pick. He was a later-round pick. And then his second season, he blew up. He exploded. And uh, he ran, I think – I don't know if he hit 2,000, but he, he ran for – you know, somewhere between like 16 to 1800 yards, if my memory serves me correctly. And at that point in time, that was, uh, I believe it was Cam Newton's first, uh, his rookie year was the first where they actually began reducing those monster NFL uh, rookie contracts for you know, your first round picks. 
Um, but at the time, you know, back then they could sign, I believe it was for six years in an option for a seventh. They got so much guaranteed money. It was ridiculous. You know, uh, Matthew Stafford and Sam Bradford, uh, Matt Ryan, some of those guys that were, that was towards the very end of those monster contracts. And they were receiving an upwards of like 80 to a hundred million dollars in just signing bonuses, you know, and in guaranteed money. And then all of a sudden they finally said, you know, it's getting out of hand at what point does it stop so they reduced it down i think it was to a four-year deal with an option for a fifth and the starting salaries did that i mean they went way down even for the the top five picks in the draft but you know chris johnson wasn't even a, a major pick at that point in time he had a, a decent rookie season but then he came out and had a spectacular second season and suddenly by the start of the third season he wanted to sit out he was holding out of training camp and his reasoning for this was, I want a new contract. What do you mean you want a new contract? You just you signed a six-year contract with an option for a seventh. You're on the hook for six years unless we release you. How do you, you don't, <laughs> you want a new contract? Like, how does that work? Well, I had, I had a good year. Well, good for you. We signed you to have six good years. We were, we were hoping that's what would happen, but your first year was a little, eh, you know, it, it, you didn't light the world on fire either. So, yeah, how about you play another year to jail for that one then? We can play this game all you want. And to me, and, I, and you start seeing that trend then in professional sports. Guys that sign these big mega deals, and after one year, you hear that they're already uh, working on a new deal, restructuring that deal. And not in a Tom Brady sense where he takes less money to a be able to you know distribute money more uh, spread out throughout the organization because he wants better players and he wants to win so he takes a pay cut we're talking restructuring as in he just signed in uh, a mega deal you know five years 200 million whatever this is an example he's in one year uh into the contract and he had a good year so now he wants to restructure he wants 275 million in another four years there's no accountability there and obviously there's no accountability with our government they added on basically with that that ceiling, and we talked about that the last episode, so I'm not going to hark on it forever, but they added on $4 trillion. They said it might save somewhere between $1 to $1.5 trillion over a 10-year period, but we're adding on $4 trillion in the early going. So how does that make any sense? It is a negative trade-off. Makes no sense whatsoever. And already, um, I'm hearing the minority leader, the Republican minority leader in the Senate, uh, old cocaine Mitch McConnell, he's already saying that, uh, you know, he was, he ended up voting for it, uh, but it's because they made concessions and he was promised uh, a supplement bill or a supplement, financial supplement package later in the year for Ukraine. And that was a bargaining agreement for him to, to sign that bill so it would pass, saying that there is not enough money in our defense because we have to keep an eye on China. We need, we got problems in, you know, in the uh, Asia Pacific and you know, and then he said, Ukraine, has his exact words, is Ukraine's going to probably need more assistance. When are we going to stop giving money to Ukraine? I mean, really? They just blew up a dam that is flooding their own country. Idiots. We know now that they blew up the Nord Stream pipeline, but yet they would have called Putin the aggressor and the agitator. Why? And they, they're not going to get away with saying that they didn't blow up the dam because it would make no sense. Why would Putin blow up his own dam? It was his dam technically, but blowing it up wasn't going to affect his country in terms of his people, his infrastructure, other than uh, nuclear reactors. But it's flooding out many parts 
uh, of the Ukraine. It was idiotic. But that that's the mentality, because anything that will continue and further that war on so they can continue to make more money that gets laundered and funneled, and it, it's a pay-to-play scheme. It's, and we continue to just go along with it. And already, again, they just signed that debt ceiling bill, and boom, McConnell's already saying you know, money for defense, money for defense. And that was the one thing that they actually spoke of. That was one of the conditions was, you know, they would claw back some of the uh, the unspent COVID-19 money that was not used, that they had already appropriated. So they're clawing that back. Um, they aren't going to give money to the IRS for all 87,000 agents, or at least not at the extent that they had had so wanted to. Obviously, McConnell wanted to spend more money. What a joke of a, a guy that called himself a conservative or a Republican he is. When he suffered his concussion, he should have just stayed the hell home. He already sold out to you know his wife uh, and his and her connections to the Chinese Communist Party. How much more do you want to sell us out, Mitch? It's time to ditch Mitch. It, it really is. It's time to ditch Mitch, which it, he has a couple more years to go now. But you know, and he just turned eighty years of age. So at what point, you know, we have to start thinking about some age factors, too, and term limits. And yeah, I can get into that all day. Chuck Grassley is turning 90 in September. He signed uh, an approval of that bill. I don't know if it was a pressure or what, but okay, then maybe we need some new blood. We do have new blood in the Congress, and I am very proud of those individuals. Um, if, if you haven't heard, obviously, they have been on strike, so to speak, uh, the last two days, especially today. Uh, and that's in regards to or in response to uh, McCarthy's challenging everybody. McCarthy's pushing everybody to sign that bill that he thought was so great that did absolutely nothing but handicap the American people. And they ended up, um, they canceled out all the uh, the rest of the voting that would be taking place this week. And it was only party line votes. Let's be real. It was nothing of major importance in all, in all reality. Some things with the Rules Committee. It's things that basically all Republicans come out. They they all say we're going to collaborate. And we're going to work together cohesively on this side of the aisle. They pass. The, you know, the minority, they try to stop it. They usually can't. And it moves on. And But that that's their clout. That's the ego that they want. You know, that's the a, that's a vote that they look forward to. So they can, you know, really pump their chest out and uh, beat on their chest like Tarzan and uh, but now they're not going to be able to do that, at least for the rest of the week. And McCarthy and a lot of the media spending it as, you know, they're being childish and temper tantrums. They don't even know what they want. I tried asking them for demands. They don't know. They don't have any. They're just, you know, they're just throwing a, a, a hissy fit, a ball baby kick and scream. Well, you know what? If I were them, and, and I'm glad they're doing this, because at some point you do have to take action. And I keep saying that about our country right now. At, at what point do Americans finally stand up and say we're taking action? We, we used to be able to do it, at, or at one time, I believe anyway, I hope I'm right that, or correct that we used to be able to do that through voting, and now we don't have that because they control the voting. We, we've already seen that, uh, no matter what the out, the true outcome could be. So at what, at what point do we you know, say enough is enough? And that, that's what this is. Uh, you know, Ralph Norman, Andy Biggs, uh, there's a group, um, I guess today there are the, like 11 of them, but overall it's a group of about 20 individuals that McCarthy's going back and forth and they're trying to, and they all said like, but McCarthy actually isn't really working with them much. He took his leadership into his office. He went in there and had a powwow for hours and he's had very little communication with anybody else as a member of that uh, group. And I like what Matt Gates told him. Matt Gates gave him an ultimatum. Matt Gates said that we expect monogamy. 
you were either going to have a monogamous relationship with President Joe Biden. And I can't believe I just called him that because I typically do not. And I refuse because he's not my president. Um, or with uh, the minority uh, leader in the House, which would be Hakeem Jeffries, the, uh, the New York representative. Or you can have a monogamous relationship with those of us in your party on your side of the aisle that you can always depend on, but we can't depend on you. Uh, and that would be the, you know, the House Freedom Caucus. And, and Gates has been a very outspoken member of that, and I, I applaud his efforts. He has been really one of the only, he and Lauren Boebert have been the only two that, and, and Andy Biggs. Uh, Ralph Norman has done well uh, in that regard. Dan Bishop won many issues. Uh, there's a gentleman out of Montana, I can't think of the name off the top of my head at this point in time, but uh, not many others, but they have been the, the solid, the spine, the backbone you know, of, what, of what makes that party work. And you know, right away, the media is spinning it as, you know, this isn't what the public wants to see. And uh, I think even Steve Scalise made a comment about that. And that they, the, the, the people, the American people, the public don't want to see us, you know, in a, in a lockout and where you know, we can't come to terms and we're not working because of that, because we can't get along. And you know what? It all depends on who that American public is and, and where you live, which, you know, some people that have open minds like I do, I'm not a Republican. I'm a member of the United States or the Constitution Party of Pennsylvania, technically, but a member of the Constitution Party because I'm a constitutionalist. The day that uh, the fourth day of the voting that took place back in the wintertime for McCarthy to become speaker, uh, the 15 ballots, that was the day when McCarthy knew that he had it when he was elected into the speakership. That's when I decided I was changing my party affiliation because I had made it known on Wisdom App, which I, I don't go there anymore, but uh, I may had made it known then that if McCarthy was in fact elected Speaker of the House, that uh, the Republicans could, uh, they could basically, they could kiss my ass. And I was done. I was washing my hands with it. I could, I'm not going to jump sides of the Democrats, for God's sakes. <laughs> no way. Never have, never will. I can, I guarantee that. But I was not going to be affiliated with the Republican Party anymore either. And everybody that is a member of that party, and that's who your voter registration is through, your affiliation is with them. Every person is a number to them, and that means a certain dollar sign uh, placed on your head, basically, when it comes to their funding. So at that point, I said, I'm done. Now, there's some Republicans, and you know, I used to laugh. And I would make fun of Democrats whenever they would say this. And, and I, I'll find other reasons to make fun of Democrats. Trust me. They give us new reasons every day. It, it's not difficult. But when they would talk about this this Trump derangement syndrome, and I guess for a long time, you know, I kind of felt somewhat the same way. Not quite as uh, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Uh, you know, but... I agreed on many things, many levels, many aspects, although my opinions and views are changing because I refuse to feel the ultimate disappointment of what the worst case scenario could be. Now, instead of always hoping and expecting the best case scenario, no. As much disappointment as I've faced in my lifetime, and I'm talking there's been, it, it I've had so many uh, hardships and uh trauma especially uh take place that i've adapted to a system where i hope for the best and i will try to remain as positive as i can be but in the back of my mind i am not going to allow reality to slip out of my grasp no reality will not escape me even in my in my moment of dreaming 
I will not allow reality to totally, uh, to totally extricate itself from from my uh, my hands and from my my grip. Uh, so I'm not going to build myself up for letdown, basically, because I used to do that. I would take people for the word, um, and people would make false promises. I would. I would convince myself that I could do something that I was not capable of doing or something that was unrealistic. And then when it didn't happen, I'll, I was de- I would be devastated. And it would be some of the worst experiences, some of the worst mental anguish you could feel. So from now on, I, I will have a positive attitude. And I will be like, yes, we can do this. I know we can. Let's do it. Let's work hard. But I'm also realistic. And I tell myself, you know, we can do this if this, that, and the other thing go our way. And we will try like hell to do it. But we have to be realistic that this is a very possible outcome. And I think you have to consider all outcomes anymore. And um, so I don't have that Trump derangement, but I, I've seen it. And it's not just Trump derangement, it's Republican derangement syndrome. And I'm not trying to put down the party. Like I said, Lauren Boebert, uh, Andy uh, Biggs, um, Ralph Norman, Matt Gates. Uh, there's there's a handful that you know I really commend them in, in Congress. Not so many in Senate, especially when you know 18 voted uh, for the debt ceiling relief. But... You know, uh, there's still some that I I have a little bit of confidence in, but at the same time, because of Trump, if if he endorses somebody or somebody claims to be a MAGA or an American first uh, politician or candidate, then suddenly, if you say anything condescending about that person because you've learned of something, uh, I see through people. I have a very good judge of character, and that's what makes this whole new world order thing uh, or deep state thing. And in the American political arena, so interesting. It's it's much, very much like, um, you know, watching former professional wrestling and, and things of that nature, where you you think somebody's on your side, and then you you're pretty much keeping your head on a swivel because you don't know who's behind your back or who's sharpening the knife behind your back, ready to insert it into your guts. Uh, that, that's the way this is playing out, just one after the other. And I heard a rumor about a certain individual out of Georgia, um, probably about two years ago. She was very fresh at that point in time she may have even been a freshman and i was told and warned that she's deep state and i'm like shut up there's no way there's no way she's deep state and then when you start to watch it and it's just like you know i think once they become more and more comfortable they let up a little tiny bit you know just incrementally and they're acting in in their and then they don't have to do as much acting to deceive people because people have bought it hook line sinker you you, you know they reeled you right in and unfortunately, I, I experienced that this week, uh, just within the last 48 hours. And that is uh, pertaining to what I like to call, she, you know, the demigod, um, the deep state queen, MTG. And, and I'm warning now, folks, you might hate me for this, but the deep state queen, Marjorie Taylor Greene. She is no different than Nancy Pelosi. The only difference is... It's her deception because Nancy, certain things she might give a little bit of a lie to her, or at least in the media, and she knows how to talk to talk to her liberal fan base. Um, but you know, Green sells it. There's times where Pelosi just straight up, you know, when she gets into her zone where she's like, I'm demonic, this is what I'm doing, this is what we're doing, and you know, I don't care who knows it. Where Green's a little bit more, she knows how to play, you know, her audience, her her voter base. Kudos to her as a politician, but now I know she is a politician. She is not MAGA, she is not American first. There's, there's a secret to this, and this is how I did it. Um, you have to go to congress.gov, and you can find their financial disclosures. You can find their voting record, how they voted on every single bill uh, that they were you know, in session for, or present for to vote if they voted. You can find out with the uh, the clerk 
of the U.S. House of Representatives, which is also congress.gov, or it will route you there. Uh, and you can go and look at roll call votes and every type of different style voting that they did. And you can also look at their financial disclosures, which by law, or at least by the precedent set and you know, by their standards, they are to report each and every year, one time a year, uh, with a financial disclosure, which shows how much you know, wealth is accumulated, what their assets are, what their liabilities are. And I keep getting the same people will not believe it. And I'm showing them. They're like, you know, this is you're spewing your bullshit hatred and, you know, your your bullshit sources. It's not bullshit sources when the source is the person. It was her report that she had to file with Congress. There, There's no way you can question, question the credibility. It's like I'm putting it right in front of you. Look. And I'm showing and well, then it's all of a sudden excuses were made immediately. Because there's still some of these uneducated rednecks out there. I'm sorry, but it is what it is. That, that really still think that this is a, a Republican-Democrat war that we're fighting. No, you're wrong. Drop your party line mentality. Because we just saw 165 Republicans last week voted for the debt ceiling in the House. And 18 in the Senate. So obviously you're wrong. Or Yeah, 149 Republicans, 165 Democrats in the House. Four people chose not to vote. So obviously you need to drop your, your party line shit. It's not about party lines anymore. There, there's instances, and they do a great job of playing it up, but it's just, it's no different than if Hulk Hogan was going out there against Ric Flair. Whether it be Hulk Hogan, NWO, Hulk Hogan, New World Order, Hollywood Hogan, and he's got all of his acolytes and he's got all of his... Uh, members of the NWL ringside and Ric Flair brings out his members of the four horsemen. At the end of the night, they're all going to go back into the back, into the, uh, into the locker room, chuck beers and, you know, take some pain pills, do some cocaine like professional wrestlers have always done. And they're going to be good buddies. They're going to jump in a uh, car, four of them and travel down the highway 400 miles to the next event, to the next venue. And they're going to be trying their best not to be seen together and chumming around together by their fans. That's what this is in Washington. They're not dumb. They know how to go in front of cameras after a while. In the beginning, some of them are really green. And, and eventually, once they realize and they get accustomed to those cameras being on them all the time, you know, inside the chambers, and it, it becomes a breeze. Then they start to actually, uh, they look for that camera. Then they start to, they ham it up. And they become their, their YouTube uh, sensations. Why? Because that gets them book deals. That gets some speaking engagements. That gets some endorsements. They're not supposed to make, I think it's $27,000 outside of what their, their salaries are, which I believe is uh, for a regular senator and congressman, 174000 or 174500 And then if you're a speaker or a majority leader, uh, speaker of the House, or if you're in the Senate, you're the Senate majority leader like Schumer or like McCarthy now in the House, and you... I think it's a one ninety four five or one ninety five. You get an additional twenty thousand dollars on your salary. It it's it's just it's crazy to me. Like, and I showed that the amount of money she has made. I found a report that said that in two thousand twenty, her net worth was reportedly somewhere in the ballpark of four hundred thousand dollars. At the end of 2021, that net worth had grown to $300,000. Here's the kicker. Now, I just saw that Forbes has her listed. And that's a pretty reputable source. I mean, as reputable as any media outlet can be. But I just saw that they have her listed at $56 million. Well, that's quite the stark contrast 
uh, between even 700,000 and 56 million. Then I did some digging. Then I looked at her financial disclosures. Now, granted, she had stocks before she entered into her position. She was learning the game. She was smart. She went and rode the coattails of the Trump administration. Uh, she began volunteering for his campaign back in 2018, which was, you know, would have been in uh, the infancy of his his second run. Um, you know, far but they start planning. You know, it's like as soon as you win, you're already planning your next. And she volunteered, and that's how she kind of, you know, I'm sure she did whatever she had to do to climb the ladder there, um, or win over his favor. And I'm sure she was taught by many of. You know, some ins and outs you do along the way. You have to. If, if you got your ears and your ears on, your eyes are open, and you're around the right people, you, the right environment, that you're gonna you're gonna pick things up. I would hope. And I'm sure she did. She had to have. And then when I look at her portfolio investment, she, in fairness, in 2009, that she had begun her own portfolio, her own uh, little investment company in Georgia, and nothing. It, it was not setting the world on fire. Let's just say that. We're Canada, for that matter. Too soon? <laughs> welcome to the Masquerade. And I will actually uh, welcome you back to the Masquerade in just a few moments. I'm going to take a brief, uh, real quick break, and we will have more on the demigod, the deep state queen, Marjorie Taylor Greene. When we come back after this, the Masquerade podcast, I am Joshy Cox. We'll be right back. Making shakes out in dudes, Antifa riots and loots, treating chrome like I fear. Got sniffed by Pedro Joe, hunters smoking blow while they bought more kids from Wayfair. Fetterman's on his last lap, McCarthy's still taking bribes, Pelosi's drunk and insane. Well, the TV news is owned by Zionist Jews. Won't say who was on Epstein's plane. Washington Swamp really needs some training. Where elections are bought and prearranged. And take our pew pews away. Dems don't like to wait. Well, Soros and Schwab are Nazi states. And sanctimonious drama. Twitter spaces, I got Patriot friends. Liberals call us racist. You're listening to the Masquerade Podcast, hosted by yours truly, the original Joshy Cox. The Masquerade Podcast is an original podcast series of Masquerade Productions in association with Joshy Cox Films. Now, back to more of the Masquerade Podcast. Oh, 
Again, you are listening to the Masquerade Podcast with your host, the most censored man in all of America today, the original Joshy Cox, loud and proud. And you can hear this thing on just about every major podcast carrier around the country, even around the world today. We're on uh, Spotify, Spotify for podcasters. Uh, we're on Ditcher, Steve's, uh, Stitcher, Deezers, I'm sorry, uh, Podcast Addict, Podcast Go, Pocket Cast, Player FM, Moon FM, Capsule, Audible, Odyssey, iHeart, Moon F- I think I said Moon FM. Who knows if I didn't? I said it again. Who cares? Radio Public, uh, Podomatic, uh, PCAST, Podverse, and there's more I'm forgetting. I know that for a fact, but the list goes on and on. You can find it just about everywhere. Google Podcasts, Amazon Music for that matter, I Apple iTunes, uh, and find it the, the Masquerade Podcast. And uh, tune in, subscribe, do me a favor, hit the subscribe button. You will get all new episodes uh, about twice a week at this point, at this stage of the game anyway. And we will keep you up to date, try to make you laugh, but also try to keep the truth rolling because I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not a politician. I would love to be in their position, but not. I would just love to have their even half their salary, to be honest. And I'd love to be in a, their position to show the world what a true, true leader does. One that does not join the Masonic Freemason, the Masonic Lodge ever and i've never had a dime to my name so i can make a hundred thousand dollars and i would actually feel rich greed doesn't apply to me i am somebody that can be content so you know i will i will always bring you the truth and i don't ever expect to be in that position because i'm i'm a nobody but when it comes to this and doing a podcast and trying to be a truther i try to be a patriot and an educator because I don't want people to have these crimes committed against them day in and day out, year in and year out. And that's what continues to happen. And that's where I was talking about the Trump derangement syndrome. So I'm putting all this on all my social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, True Social, Getter. So I'm educating everybody uh, on what my, what my findings are, what I'm finding. And the fact is that uh, once I found out who she was, she began, she also opened up a gym. She was into the whole CrossFit, cross training thing. Cool, you know, whatever. Um, but that's not gonna bring in millions of dollars. Sorry, but it's not not where she was located. You know, everything starts out small. Um her father in law owned a construction company called Taylor Commercial. He ends up airing that to both her and her husband, his son. And she starts up at like I said in two thousand nine, she starts up a, a little um her own little investment firm, investment uh, company. But again, it wasn't setting, um, I won't go there again, but you know you know what I'm saying. Uh, it, it wasn't like anything super impressive by any means. I, I think she was just getting her feet wet a little bit and they would put some money in when they had a chance to. And then she gets in with Trump as a volunteer. By 2020, she decides that she's gonna run, or it would have been, I guess, in 2019. And, or 2018, I guess. I, I forget when she actually did come in. I. I for some reason, I'm thinking that 2000, I guess 2019 would have been her first year. 2020 would have been her second year uh, because she just ran again in the midterms in 2022. So uh, 2019, she runs, she wins, she starts in 2000, or um, I'm sorry, ran in 2018, starts in 2019. Um, she's been there ever since. So she, she got a little bit of time under her belt, but not much. She's still, you know, uh, like a junior uh, in the Congress. And suddenly her commercial uh construction business taylor's uh commercial construction 
ends up receiving over $31 million in federal uh, construction contracts, exclusive contracts from the federal government, that contracts they weren't receiving in, in years past. So, and, and they don't get me wrong, they have a lot of employees. I think I looked at uh, last listing I saw like 226 or 227 employees that, that they have on staff. But they are showing, at least at the end of 2021 or 2022, I believe it was, they're showing a gross uh, gross revenue being brought in of around $5.9 million. Now, when I'm looking at the financial disclosures there, also there's a section uh, in an appendix in that disclosure that you're supposed to disclose any income by your spouse, at least in terms of a full-time salary or full-time position. She has not available. But I already know because I did my research that they're pulling in about 5.9 gross a year. But she puts not available. And then I find out that because she will get different tax breaks and incentives from being a woman business owner, which is fine. She has a business in her name. She's listed as a CEO. But wouldn't he still receive a company draw of some sort? I, I would imagine. I mean, he's he has IRAs. He's got 401ks. And that shows in the disclosure. So where's that coming from? And she don't have herself any income for herself listed with that disclosure or any of her rental properties. Uh, she began you know, buying up real estate and becoming a real estate mogul uh, since her first year in Congress. Suddenly, um, she has properties in three different states. I believe it's uh, Florida. Or, yeah, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, maybe more now. Uh, rental properties. She has like two main houses, large houses, swimming pools, you know, all the extra bathrooms and amenities and all that great things. And then she had her gym, of course. And then all of a sudden I see her her stock market activity on Wall Street escalating, increasing, increasing, increasing. Her dividends are becoming much higher. And then I'm starting to take notice to who her who she's investing in. And I'm sorry. And that was one of the arguments somebody else had made on TikTok. Well, just because after I proved them wrong, of course, and I made them look like fools. Well, just because she owns stock in a company doesn't mean she supports them. Think about what you just said. If it is a, a company that trades publicly, they actually do, yes. They, they depend on, it's not just about consumer base uh, in terms of a product or a service. They also depend on shareholders, on, you know, that hold stock options. That's, you know, if a, if a company tanks and their, their stock tanks, that can do them in. They depend, just, and that's why I don't like the stock market. It's all phony for one. It's manipulated, it's dictated, and it can make or break a company. And it's, and then it can also empower people if you know what you're doing or if you have certain uh, a means of affecting you know, uh, evaluation. And it, like I said, I'm seeing these, and I'm looking at all her companies. The next thing I know, you know, she's very outspoken. That's why in the beginning, I gave her benefit of the doubt. I was like, you know what? I'm going to ignore what I hear because there's always those pundits, there's naysayers that, you know, whatever reason, Maybe she's not that bad. Maybe she actually, she looks, I mean, she seems cool. She seems like she's going to be a hell of a fighter. She's going to fight for the people. The woke companies, you know, nobody would speak out louder about being woke and going broke is, is Marjorie Taylor Greene. You know, she's speaking out against the whole COVID thing, about all the, all the bad actors that are involved there. And then I find out that she's upping the ante 
speaking of COVID, in many of the, uh, well, just all of the major uh, biopharmaceutical companies, many of them vaccine manufacturers. That doesn't sit well with me, especially knowing Agenda 21, Agenda 25, Agenda 30, Agenda 40, Agenda 50, knowing the, the uh, population you know agenda behind that all. And we are seeing it every day. We know where it's coming from. A lot of, you know, just, just go and uh, I'd like to say Google, but I I can't now. Yeah. Um, go to DuckDuckGo or, you know, go to, uh, what's the other one? Braveheart, I think is a new one. Um, go to some of those, those search engines, uh, your web browsers, and just type in died suddenly. You'll see. That's all I'm going to say on that matter. But I, like I said, I'm seeing, and then her, her uh, purchases are going up. She's trading off some little ones to gain bigger. Because she's making profit, and the, the profits and the dividends are all going up. The interest is going up. The capital gains is going up. And then all of a sudden, I see that the capital gains is coming down, but the dividends are going up. And the interests are going up, but there's not much capital gains being reported. So now I'm thinking, wait a second. So I see what she's doing. She's taking advantage of abuse of power. She is buying Pfizer. I think uh, from what I can see, and they never in the financial disclosures, you might as well consider it being probably either somewhere in the middle or the maximum of the range that they give you. And I'm going to give you a short break. I'm going to give myself a break. Again, you are listening to the Masquerade Podcast, an original podcast series of the Masquerade Productions in association with Joshie Cox Films. You can hear it on Apple Music, iTunes, Amazon Music, Spotify, Spotify for podcasters, Stitcher, Deezer, iHeart. The list goes on and on. There's more that I am not including. You can look it up on Getter, on my Facebook, on TikTok. I have them listed everywhere you need to go. So check those out again. We will have more on the Deep State Queen, Marjorie Taylor Green, and more of the Masquerade Podcast season number four. We'll be back after this. Welcome to the Masquerade and read between the lines. Well, a mama had long for a chick with a schlong. Big Mike was at his back door. Dancing gay pride, BLM picking fights. We finance Zelensky's Ukraine war. Created COVID-19, Bill Gates vaccines. To isolate family and friends. Just so big lies about a campaign in Trump Tower. We never killed Ben Laden. Washington Swamp really needs some drain. Where elections are bought and are rearranged. To take her rights away. It's a communist way. I got patriot friends. Liberals call us racist. You're listening to the Masquerade Podcast, hosted by yours truly, the original Joshy Cox. The Masquerade Podcast is an original podcast series of Masquerade Productions in association with Joshy Cox Films. Now, back to more of the Masquerade Podcast. Soros is 
The range for um, a lot of the smaller ones are, I believe it was uh, like a hundred to uh, or one dollar to one thousand one or one dollar to one thousand, then one thousand one dollar to fifteen thousand, then it jumps up to fifteen thousand one dollar to fifty thousand, and it just goes up. And uh, I'm seeing those all go up. And, and to, but to me, when it says like up to fifteen thousand, I'm taking a fifteen thousand because that's what I'm going to assume. Because, you know, they have a means. They're not going to half-ass that. We would have to. I'd probably be like, yo, I don't have that full amount. You know, what can I get for, like, $227.36? Yeah, that, that's the life I have to leave, but they don't. And she starts doubling down on Pfizer in uh, Gilead Sciences, AstraZeneca, Procter & Gamble, you name it. it uh, what's it called? Uh, shoot, I can't think of it now. Uh, GlaxoSmithKline. Amgen, Abvi or Abvi, CVS, Cardinal Health. It, and there's more that I'm missing at this point in time, but that just gives you an idea. And I'm like I said, she's doubling down on these. There's certain ones there uh, that uh, CRISPR. They're into gene editing, genomics. And I'm just thinking, wow. And she's supporting all these. And she's into the Rockefeller brands. And by the way, anyone that thinks Rockefeller got out of oil, that's a lie. That was just to make themselves look good because of their reputation they had to uphold for being new uh, globalists and ESG and everything else. So everybody else will comply. They have to act like they were. Uh, but they still own ConocoPhillips. They still own Chevron. In fact, they are helping out Venezuela. The Saudis are taking a break and they are announcing that they're going to be uh, walking back and reducing, greatly reducing uh, their oil production here for a little while. And the Rockefellers are announcing that they're going to help the communist government of Venezuela, Maduro and company, and they're going to increase their their production. And then they're going to bring it back here and sell it to us and other countries for a higher margin. And then uh, some of the money, I guess, that Venezuela might be in debt to that to the Rockefeller family that they'll get back in that way and let them work off some of their debt and it'll help the country and bring them up a little bit. Not the people, but it'll help those in charge, of course. So she's got ConocoPhillips, she's got Chevron, she's got General Mills, she's got Kraft, who is now Kraft Heinz Foods. They're all Rockefeller-owned brand names. So she's supporting them, she's supporting Pfizer and Gilead and AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson, that was another one I, I missed. And Amgen and Abby and all these, she's supporting all of the biopharmaceutical, all big pharma, basically as a whole, she's got it covered. 
like I said, I, I think I saw it was either a hundred or one hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars invested in Pfizer uh, the last time I had seen. Now she did not file a report yet for the two thousand twenty-two year. She actually filed for an extension, so she's trying to meander. You know, basically is what she's trying to do and uh, trying to mitigate her way through so she doesn't look bad. Probably seeing what tax cuts she can get and how she can sneak things around and probably put her husband's uh, employment or his earnings as not available again. And then the woke companies, Coca-Cola. Coke is woke. We all know that. Walmart. Target. Uh-huh. Yeah. McDonald's. Yep. And I know there's, again, there's more than just that. And then uh, she's, you know, she's there prosecuting or not prosecuting, but questioning in these, uh, Congress, these congressional hearings and these committee meetings when they were uh, you know, all over the former Twitter employees and she was just grilling them and saying about you took my my uh, my reach to my people, my ability to communicate to my voters away from me and just really all over Twitter about how horrible Twitter was when it was under the uh, being run by the last two uh, CEOs prior to Elon Musk's uh, purchase. And of course, one of those, the, the founder of Twitter is none other than Jack Dorsey. Well, she's investing in Square. Then, of course, Square changes its name, its uh, legal entity to Block. He's still in the game, though. He's still the CEO. He's still listed as co-founder and CEO, owner of the company. She's doubling down on Jack Dorsey. And then I find that she talks about MAGA. She says she's America first all the time. America first, America first, America first, because she tries to basically keep herself popular by mirroring President Trump. And, of course, she has money tied up in uh, Southern Copper Corporation that originated uh, in Peru and then was sold to a uh, owner in Mexico. Yes, they have a facility here in America, but do you think that money's staying here? No. It is owned by a Mexican owner, and that's where the money's going to go. And most likely, the way that works, especially in these other uh, underdeveloped countries, that's going to a drug cartel. That's going to money that's invested into sending drugs in the bodies of children and other people, uh, mules basically across our border. And she's funding it. She has uh, money in another company that is uh, from Uruguay, Brazil, Mexico, Japan, Switzerland, the UK, Canada. And I'm counting all these. I, I give you my word. Here's the other thing. She has, just like with the biopharmaceutical company, she has large shares of stock in every single major semiconductor chip manufacturer. Think Chips Act. And that's when she really started going hog wild with it. In fact, the the one company, and I, I'm, I'm thinking it, uh, I'm not going to waste time on it now, but uh, I will tell you that in a, a future episode. Um, the one company, they just sold their stock rise. 82% after the CHIPS Act was signed that she voted on, by the way. You think she's not doing insider trading like the Pelosi's? I'm not defending the Pelosi's. I, I, that's the one thing I can't stand about them is they are cheating the American public by abuse of power, insider trading, and manipulating policy to enrich their lives. And she's talking about Joe Biden. And they, they should. They, they definitely should. I think he's getting, he will end up getting off probably completely or way too easy anyway and not get the full extent of what would actually you know, rightfully be coming to him and anyone attached to him, especially his former president, Obama. But that's for another time. But for God's sakes, she's talking about him enriching his lives and his family with the Biden crime family. She's doing the same 
damn thing. But she does it with a smile, and she says, MAGA and America first, and everybody just believes it. Procuring government contracts that the company would not have had otherwise and receiving over $30 million from contracts. Enhancing her net worth from 400000 to 700000 to $56 million. And then the other one was defense contractors. That was another big one, was defense contractors. She's got big pharma, medical, big tech, because she also has meta. She complains all the time about Facebook and Twitter, and you're funding these people. She has Facebook individually. Then once it became meta, she had meta. She's still got Twitter. She's got Alphabet, which is Google and YouTube. That's the parent company now. She's funding the Rockefellers. And here's the other thing. Now, she was always a proponent to January 6th and defending. Remember when she went down to the uh, the jails in, in D.C. and was she seeing these inmates and how horrible they had it? And she's fighting for their, their rights and she wants them freed and she wants all the footage being shown. Why are, why are we not showing the footage, Nancy Pelosi? That was her cries. Remember that? Well, a report came out this week. And you know, it was quoting her, her exact quotes. And now she was urging, because if you were paying attention this week, you'll know there was new leakage, new uh, footage dropped of January 6th that showed um, an open door to the Senate and 300 people entering uh, without any force, no forceful entry. And she was urging uh, whoever the, the holder of maybe probably her boyfriend McCarthy, I don't know, that she seems so in love with nowadays. Uh, she, she was urging whoever had custody of, of this footage to not leak it do not release it to the public and she said that it could be a threat to the capitol and to the capitol police and then she tried to say that anyone that hasn't been uh, gathered up and you know, arrested yet for trespassing or whatever you know her story was that they're using facial recognition now they were using it that day that was the other thing she owns every major bank she's got wells fargo she's got city group she has jp uh, morgan charles schwab investments Bank of America, that's a bank that did use facial recognition, and that's how they already came and made. I mean, they probably made all the arrests. Just about all the arrests are going to make at this point now. I don't see how they could how they missed anyone. Bank of America, I was there on January sixth. I was just a good boy. I knew better. I went there with common sense. I smelled something trouble in the air immediately as soon as I arrived. And. Bank of America was the only bank that had ATMs open, and they made sure that, number one, there was hardly any amenities open, hardly any uh, facilities, any restaurants, anything that would uh, be conducive to a good day in, in D.C. And uh, they made sure that whatever was there, food trucks and street vendors, that was all cash only, no card sales. So you had to find an ATM. The only bank that had ATMs available was Bank of America. Well, that way they didn't have to track down and subpoena a bunch of cameras and all the film and all the footage. Go to one, you have it all. Yeah, she owns stock in them too. Big stock, yeah. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars uh, in Vanguard shares, also, and two U.S. Uh, Treasury bills for five hundred thousand dollars each, and they grow to at least four percent. But some of them here over the last three years, uh, we were seeing a uh, return of investment of like six to seven percent. Do the math there, yeah. But she's saying don't release the footage. She is not supporting January six Patriots. She's, she's trying to keep them in prison because some of that footage should actually vindicate them. It should exonerate 
them. But it probably won't because we have a two-tier justice system. Then here's the other kicker I just saw. Now, you know, she always, before she called climate, and I'm not going to say my opinion, but she called climate change a scam. That was her That was her opinion. Marjorie Taylor Greene, her opinion was scam, scam, scam. Climate change isn't real. It's a scam. It's a narrative, blah, blah, blah. So now she's out, and she's using climate change suddenly as her narrative of why uh, immigration or immigrants should stay where they're at, and they should not try to cross the border. And I'm not going to argue with anyone that tries to persuade, you know, some actual order to be restored at the border because right now it's chaos and we have people dying in our streets and all over America, a good American people because of it, because of the drugs and the weapons that are being brought across. However, stay true to yourself. She's saying that it's it's not a good environment for you to come here. The, the natural disasters that are happening due to climate change, it's not good for you because you won't have shelter right away. So you'll be out in the conditions. You'll breathe in all this Canadian fire. Read between the lines. Are you kidding me? Read between the lines. And that that's, it, we were talking about, I started on that subject, but I might as well get finished on it then, uh, is what, what is being burnt? Why are people smelling the burnt plastic odor? Why is this smoke being driven so far south of where it is and i know it's a massive fire but for god's sakes I, I feel like there's something being done here purposely if you saw the pictures of new york city i mean it was like everyone just turned like a it almost looked like an old like old newspaper from the 1930s that keller kind of a tannish brownish you know, a little bit of like orangish to it tint I know the moon here at nighttime has been, it, I, I started thinking like, is it the apocalypse? Is this the blood moon? Is the blood filling up with moon? Or the moon filling up with blood now? If that really is a moon up there? East Palestine, they, they burned things and did a controlled burn when they never should have. And that just that escalated things that made things worse and it put toxins all through the environment for states. You know, the, the stretch was beyond reason. And I have a funny feeling. And the other thing, the other uh, objective I'm going to have to this is the push has been for smart cities, 15-minute cities in in Canada because of privately owned and publicly owned and government-owned land and the ratios between them, the way it's proportioned. You know, we've already heard about the challenges that Trudeau is speaking of, the challenges that uh, you know the Canadians are going to be meeting in, in terms of being able to facilitate these innovations, but it's so needed to stop climate change. But we need these smart cities, and we're going to have to work together and, uh, and be innovative minds and and try to find ways to squeeze this in because of the, the areas that it would be limited to until you have an area that could be condemned and it could be seized, at least in America anyway, by eminent domain. Then all of a sudden it could become... Uh, What's the, I think it was a Brownsford um, property, kind of like in Chicago. Think about it. East Palestine, the same way. Now, if you if you read Rockefeller annual reports, which I think the last one I saw on their website, uh, I think they stopped making these reports and putting them out around like 2018 maybe. But if you read the Rockefeller annual reports at the Rockefeller Foundation's website, you know, we we've said from day one, and uh, and Q told us as well. Their their confidence, their er- not their confidence, but their arrogance is you know 
going to be a tipping point at some point. That that will be you know a dagger to them is their own arrogance. And they're so arrogant that they have to tell us. They have to. It's like a, a precursor, a foreshadowing of, of what's to come. It's driving them nuts. They can't. It's like a kid that can't allow somebody when you tell them you're having a surprise party for someone else, and it just drives them nuts. Like it's their own party. They're so excited that they go spill the beans and tell the person that uh, you know that's the, the guest of honor at the surprise party. That's what these people do. So if you look at the annual report, the Rockefeller annual report on the, the foundation's website, you will look at 2010. And I've, I've seen that there's this trend now. And I, have, I need to go back and look at more and see if anything else has happened, like in the 2013, uh, if anything more in the 13 report. But in 2010, it starts speaking about all these scenarios. And, and one of the main uh, objectives of the 2010 annual report, and speaking on behalf of the Rockefellers and their initiatives, is the, uh, the data sharing for, a, for global health. And they happen to give a scenario. And they, you know, they tell you it's fictional. It's a, just a scenario that you know, they kind of paint a picture of, of what they're talking about. And the scenario ends up being COVID, COVID-19. They don't use those words, but they're talking about a, a virus that starts in China and starts working around, you know, different places in the world. Um, and nobody knows what it, it's doing. So the first you know couple of weeks, it's people are freaking out. And they're talking about how it, it ended up uh, coming, coming out of a zoonotic animal. That's Wuhan, even though I, yeah, anyway, uh, we won't go there because I have a whole different belief. But that's basically, they're telling us how, what COVID was. It, it was everything in that description saying COVID. Read it for yourself, you'll see. Let me know. Let me know. In fact, uh, I'm going to uh, share a link on uh, my Facebook. It'll be on my TikTok. Find me there. Uh, Facebook, you can go to the Masquerade podcast page. Same thing with TikTok. Uh, and Getter, True Social, I will share a link for, you can leave me voice messages. I want to hear what your thoughts are. And, you know, you can tell me that I'm a buffoon. I'm crazy. I, I don't care. I really don't. I mean, I, I hope that you, I'm enlightening some people and some people are going to share in the same, but I don't want anyone to think just like me anyway. But I want to, I want to know your views. And if, you know, if you see any of the same, uh, same trends happening, but I will put a link on there. Um, and I want you to leave me a voice message which will be a link for uh, Spotify for podcasters. I also have polls, uh, viewer polls. Please tell me what you think. Answer the polls. If you got two extra minutes, leave me a voicemail uh, on Spotify for podcasters. Also uh, answer the polls if you would. That helps me out. That can actually help me, you know, tailor a, an episode or more episodes to what the needs are. I'm not going to switch genres per se, but it will help me, know who I'm talking to, who my audience is, and I can kind of, uh, we can have a better relationship, and I would love to have that. And then once I see that that is a possibility, then maybe I would consider having some people on the show, uh, letting callers call in, give their opinions. You can tell me I suck. You like me, you love me, you know, you hate me, whatever. But at least, you know, I would love to have the involvement, but we have to, we have to kind of get there first and build that, uh, build back better, as Biden would say, the infrastructure to it. But Again, it, it talks about zoonotic animals. It talked about COVID in 2010. What occurred in 2020? I know in, in some places it began in 19, but it, it went widespread mainstream in 2020, correct? Yes. So in 2013, I'm looking, and one of the main themes is basically the 15-minute cities, the smart cities. Uh, they, I think they have it under urban development, and they're talking about how three-quarters of the world will be living in the cities, in a city dwelling, by 2050. 
their projection, which means that's what they plan on having happen. And so far, everything they've wanted has gone their way. And they're talking about the northern, uh, the Pacific Northwest and the United States here. They're talking about Colorado. Well, guess what? Portland and Seattle are already uh, integrating these smart cities. They have already begun. Colorado, that's where the like the main national board for smart cities is located. So they can all discuss the ideas and they can stay in their constant communication. That's the whole idea. They have that already established in Colorado. So boom. Then the next area that they're talking about was Northeast Ohio. And that one, I had to think about it for a while. And then I looked at the map and then the train derailments happened. And my God, I really, no, East Palestine. And there are still residents and God bless them. I don't blame them that now they're saying and the government's ignoring them because they want them. They don't want to just say, Hey, we need your help. Help us get out. You know, whatever. The government wants you to be secure in your decision. And that way they can come back and say, look, you wanted this. That's what you wanted. They want you to beg and plead. And people are, are still to this day saying like, help us get out, like pay us for this damage so we can afford to get out. And eventually they will take that land. They will condemn it because of toxicity right now they, they want to get the, the pressure off they'll wait till it's not on everyone's mind and then eventually they'll say you know what we're sorry but we did find it you know it's been polluted for this long they will end up condemning it and they will take the ground they will give them a very small stipend in exchange and that's called eminent domain and then they will call it a, a brownfield property that's what they will do they will de- redevelop it and that's in northeast ohio and they that's where that's going to be a major area for probably uh discipline detention camps um as well for people like me as well as smart cities 15 minute cities whatever they're going to label it at at the time and the other one was chicago well look what happens in chicago right now they're eventually they're eventually going to end up and i told you how they're going to be hiring um non-citizen immigrants uh, that are going to have jurisdiction and a legal authority to arrest citizens in illinois in the whole state of illinois already passed it's going to the uh, governor's desk it's unconstitutional but whatever i told you that on the last podcast uh, chicago is eventually going to get claimed uh and determined to be a, a war zone a combat zone they will probably use martial law it'll probably lead to uh you know one of the the attempts at one of the many that they'll probably make a real legitimate attempt at a gun grab for, for your pew pews on tiktok and they're going to seize the land by eminent domain and they're going to it's going to be called a Browns uh, Brownsfield development project. And they already had started knocking down some historical buildings that they claim uh, the risk of, you know, if they would fall in the proximity of other buildings, it, it would, would not be safe in, in the city of Chicago, like down towards the main part of uh, the heart of the city. And they're going to, Chicago is going to become a major smart city because they already have the rail systems in place. And then, like I said, Northeast Ohio, East Palestine, Cleveland, that's going to all be coming where the Rockefellers come from. Until later on in life, most of his life, the Rockefellers, John D. Rockefeller, made his fortune out of the Cleveland, Ohio area. And then eventually that'll probably connect to uh, Chicago, will connect them to Cleveland or that area of Ohio. And they'll just keep bringing it forward into Pittsburgh, probably. Mark my words, I'm, I'm not a prophet. I don't claim to be, but it's a prediction. And again, that was 10 years. That was a 2013 report. This is 2013. They were talking about a scenario that sounded exactly like COVID in 2010. 2020 COVID happened. So check that out for yourself. Uh, I didn't realize the time. I'm going to get going. This is, uh, we have a lot to look forward to, obviously. Uh, 
today on the schedule for Congress, of course, is uh, I, we don't know what's going to happen now. It, Christopher Ray, they could begin the proceedings for contempt of Congress. Of course, it's still going to be left up to the Department of Justice whether or not they pursue it. And it's their own man. It's it's a, the head of the FBI. But it makes it interesting. And then they did actually show the the document the uh, that they were looking for, the, I think it was the, what, the 1023. But they did not let them keep it. They did not let them make photocopies. They just showed it to everybody on the committee. And that wasn't what they were asking. They did not come. They were not in complete compliance. They, you know, they took their dear time of getting it to them. They delayed everything they could uh, to show this from one of the confidential informants and whistleblowers. So they say they're going to go forward with the proceedings and MGT or MTG or ST, whatever her name is. She came on. <clears throat> the Deep State Queen came on TV. I just saw, uh, or not on TV, I don't watch TV, but on, online I saw uh, late in the day, early evening, and she's telling people that, you know, that we finally got the document, we got what we want, blah, 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 blah. But then I'm also seeing other people like Comer saying that I, I think we still ought to proceed uh, and move on with the, you know, with the hearings tomorrow for contempt of Congress. Eh, why not? At least you're doing something. Because Comer voted for the uh, debt ceiling raise as well. So we will find out. We have a lot of interesting things going on. They're keeping us chaotic and distracted. And that's, that's the unfortunate part because that is playing into their hand. That's what they want. So be safe. Don't let them get you down and distracted. You know, I had, that, that was the last point I was going to make was these people with the Trump derangement and Republican derangement syndrome. I, I wish it wasn't like that and they could see things for how they are. Be awake. I'm not talking down on Republicans saying, be, I'm not a Democrat, for God's sakes, no. But realize that there's not many that are for you. Most of them are out to get you. I had my life threatened. Somebody told me I needed to remove from human society immediately. The same individual uh, then told me later, okay, now it's time to find out where you work and where you live. And I don't know this guy. His name's Ken Roth. Now, I did find another Ken Roth. And he has, he was a, an attorney at one point and he made some very, uh, so I could see us being a guy, uh, made some very controversial statements, um, demeaning statements about Israel and Israelis. And he had some sort of an agreement, a fellowship program worked out or an offer by Harvard at one time. They rescinded and revoked that because of uh, his public dealings. And then uh, now they're offering him a fellowship uh, offer again for whatever reason. So I don't know if this is the man or not. It would make sense that he would be sent out to be a shill, especially coming from Harvard, because we know what they're like and who they work for, uh, and they're part of the the overall agenda as well. So keep yourself glued to the news. Stay straight. Don't let the media convince you otherwise. Do your research, for God's sakes. Use discernment and expose the corrupt everywhere around the world. Head on a swivel, because it's got to be that way. Stay focused. Don't let them drag you from end to end. Keep your head above water. And be careful and uh, don't be blinded by the smoke screens. God bless all you Canadians, anyone out there listening that's dealing with that right now. Dealing with anything around the world, tyranny sucks. But I will fight for you every step of the way. And I promise that I will fight to my death. That is what I do. I am the original Joshy Cox, loud and proud. And I thank each and every one of you. Till next time. Welcome to the masquerade. Read between the lines. Have a great day, everybody. See you next time. Making shakes out of dudes. Antifa riots and loots. Treat a chrome like I fear.
Got sipped by Peter Joe, Hunter's smoking blue, while they bought more kids from Wayfair. Fetterman's on his last life, McCarthy's still taking bribes, Pelosi's drunk and insane. Well, the TV news is owned by Zionist Jews, won't say who was on Epstein's plane. Washington Swans really need some training, where elections are bought and prearranged to take our pew-pews away. I got Patriot friends, liberals call us racist. Well, Obama had long for a chick with a schlong. Big Mike was at his back door. Dancing gay pride, BLM picking fights. We finance Zelensky's Ukraine war. Created COVID-19. Bill Gates vaccines to isolate family and friends. Just so big lies about a campaign in Trump Tower. We never killed Ben Laden. I got Patriot friends.